Welcome to our second season of Shooting the Breeze. This time, we're casting our net wider. We're going to be talking to inspiring athletes, amazing coaches, and behind-the-scenes trailblazers from across the women's basketball landscape. As we start the run-up to the Olympics, another WNBL season, and the FIBA Women's World Cup being held right here in Sydney, as well as the Opals being ranked number two in the world, this is a great time to be a fan of Australian women's basketball. Don't forget to subscribe and be the first to know when we have more Hoops goodness headed your way. Tune in as we catch up with Lauren Nicholson. After a sensational WNBL hub season for Townsville last year, we get to know more about Loz, her amazing ascendancy over the last five years into Opal's contention, her remarkable three out of five grand final appearances, and her hopes for the future of Aussie basketball. It's always a privilege to do any type of training for your country and get to play with players that are some of the best in the world. Welcome to this episode of Shooting the Breeze. And today we're joined by someone that has been to three grand finals in the last five years, including one with the Sydney Uni Flames, Lauren Nicholson. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to speak to you again. It's been a while since we've spoken. It has been a while, probably five or so years. Yeah, something like that. Actually, I think we managed to get a chance to chat for a little bit after one of the games when uh, Adelaide was in town. We've missed you. Yeah, I've missed you. You've been travelling all over the countryside. (laughs) I know, I know. It feels a little bit like that. But I'm home in Sydney now for a little bit. So just give us a bit of a rundown. How did you find, you know, going from Sydney to Adelaide to Townsville, do you find the clubs really different? Uh, Yeah, they are all really different. I've actually had really good experiences at all three. I've been really, really lucky. I loved my time in Sydney, but then moving to Adelaide was also amazing. And then probably my funnest, most successful year was in Townsville. So can't really speak highly enough of all three places. <laughs> i got to be honest, I'm really kind of curious about Townsville because with the hub last year, it was basically home turf for the team. How did you guys find that? It was like you found it like you're using your own practice facilities and everything was is kind of like home? Yeah, we were lucky enough to spend five weeks, I think, of the preseason training there and getting used to the court and the facilities and, yeah, having a home crowd every game uh, definitely probably played to our advantage as well. Yeah, we were really lucky. How did you find playing for Shannon? I love it. He is one of the greatest coaches. He's super young and really manages his players well and he's got such a high IQ of the game. I used to say going to training every day I'd learn something new, which you don't often find as you get older, but I was constantly learning and, um, yeah, he he's a phenomenal coach and I think he'll keep improving as a coach too as he keeps getting older and more experienced. Everybody that we've spoken to recently but also back when he was, he was coaching the Flames, they all said he really had a great basketball IQ. I've heard a lot of people say he's a player's coach. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's he's just a really good person and, yeah, he makes everyone feel at home, you know, players from 1 through to 12. I've never met someone that has a bad word to say about him from the players that play 40 minutes to the players that play one minute. And um, I think that's one of his best strengths is just to make everyone feel welcome and feel like they have a role on a team. That's cool. Yeah. Look, for some of our listeners who may not know 
you as well as we do. Do you want to give us a little bit of a background of how Loz Nicholson managed to get herself into basketball? <laughs> oh, I mean, well, I started at the Sutherland Sharks when I was really young. I had my mum as my coach all the way through under 12s to under 18s and pretty much grew up around a stadium. Um, I had a sister who loved basketball, played a lot as well. So I grew up in the game. I was born into the game, as people say. Um, Yeah, that was pretty much my whole childhood here in Sydney. When you started off, did you really think that you'd end up as an Opal? I think as a little kid, you always aspire to be it and you say it out loud. Yeah, I'd love to be an Opal one day, but I I don't know. I don't know if I ever truly thought it would happen. I mean, you never really know when you're younger what's going to happen later in life. But yeah, I don't know. And it probably wasn't until I was a little bit older that I realized I could actually do it. But yeah, it's something that I definitely wanted to be from when I was little. Cool. Look, we'll, we'll come back to the Opal thing because there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'd like to talk about with that. One of the things that I've always found interesting when we've spoken to a lot of different players is the college experience because generally the colleges, unless it's like a really, really major college, tend to be in smaller towns. So you're going from Sydney to a smaller place. How did you find that at St. Mary's? Honestly, before I went to college as a 19-year-old, I probably didn't do a whole lot of research. I just thought, wow, college, I want to get over there. How cool, what an experience, and off I went. And looking back, I probably should have done a little more research, but um, <laughs> I definitely landed a really great school, so I was very lucky. And it was a really small town compared to what I was used to, good old Moraga. And I found it really easy to fit in there though. And I think uh, a massive part of that was actually having other Australians around. It's funny, even now, looking back, some of my best friends at college were the Australians there. And I think you just gravitate to those people and yeah, so I think that it was made an easy transition knowing that I had Kate Gaze and Hannah Kayser, fellow Aussies over there. While I was doing my research on St. Mary's, is it true that you actually get the chant of Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi at the school? Yeah, all the time. In every game, um, after every free throw, an Australian shot, the band actually the band would chant um, Aussie, 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 Aussie. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. A lot of Australians have actually gone to St Mary's to play there. Why do you think that is? I think there's just a strong connection. Over the years, the men's team have had a couple of assistant coaches that were Australian. And uh, I think Luella, I don't know if I'm correct, was the first Australian. Luella Tomlinson was the first Australian woman over there. And Um, I think ever since then, there's just been a pipeline. And I know the head coach there and the assistants throughout my time there, really fond of Australians and always um, got out here to watch them and tried to recruit them because generally, you know, we're pretty easygoing kind of people and that's what they like on their teams. So so when you were at St. Mary's, did you get to experience the areas around the school, like going into the Bay Area, going into San Francisco, and other places. How was that, you know, like you're there, you're in college, you're getting to see all these amazing places. What was that like? Yeah, it was so cool. I mean, I think San Francisco was about an hour away. So we went in there as much as we could. We also spent 
a fair bit of time in Oakland watching the Warriors play. That was only about half an hour away, which was also really cool. And that was way back when they were last on the ladder. So, we, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. But, yeah, we were super lucky. Like my last two years of college, I had a car, was pretty self-sufficient and got to see and do a lot of stuff around the Bay. That's cool. And do you think that, I mean, obviously in Australia there's like two major pathways into professional basketball it's like it's either the college pathway or it's through the AIS typically what do you think are the pros and cons of the college system from your point of view having experienced it I think the college system is a great way to get an education and probably more so of a life experience and uh, kids are so different it just depends what suits them but I know back then I probably didn't see myself as a professional basketballer quite yet and I wanted to go and get an education and you know live my life a little bit more and experience something different and I found that's how I really grew up whereas I also think going through the AIS and the WNBL pathway is a great option Probably staying in the WNBLs for kids that want to play professionally straight away or, you know, think that that's what's best for them. But, yeah, I definitely think either way is the right way, just depending on who you are and what you want to do. Okay. It must be. Well, actually, hang on. Before I do, i got a question for you. What did you study at uni? I did a communication degree. Wow. Yeah, but I came back and did my master's in teaching. Teaching? Yeah. Okay. So you see yourself as as a teacher in the future or you think there's something else there? Yeah, I don't know. I've always said that I do want to work with kids. I'm not sure if that's teaching or through basketball or what it may be, but yeah, that's what I see myself doing. Cool. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about that season that you came into the Flames. You'd been a development player. You went off to college. You came back all ready to start your first season and you got injured. Yeah, yeah. So I I broke my uh, tibia in the preseason, which was a bit of a setback. Yeah, I was part of a really great team and you could see that straight away in the preseason. So it was a little bit shattering. It took me a fair while to get back from that, I believe about 10 weeks or so. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't fantastic, that's for sure, the start. No, I actually remember we'd come down to practice to get some footage around practice and you're always there working out to try and build the strength back up. You could tell you were really frustrated that you couldn't get out on the floor. Yeah, I was, definitely. And I think also knowing that it was my first season in the WNBL, I just wanted to get out there and kind of show what I had a little bit. So, um, yeah, it wasn't the greatest injury to have. (laughs) In the back half of the season, you really sort of came out and when you got your minutes, you really made an impact. Yeah. I mean, how lucky was I? I played with some of the greatest players ever, like Snelly and Leilani and some imports that were incredible. So, I was lucky that I could get back and play some quality minutes and especially probably the last five games of the season, maybe even 10 with finals. I felt like I was finally playing a little bit like myself again. It was it was just cool to get out there and run around with just some legends of the game. At that game too in Dandenong, when you realised that's it, we've got the game, 
Do you remember how you felt about that? Yeah, it was one of the best feelings. I remember I was actually sitting on the bench at the time when it was the realization that, wow, we're going to win this whole thing. And um, sitting with some of my best friends, Shanae and Sarah Graham, yeah, we all looked at each other thinking, wow, like this is a championship and these don't come around very often. And I felt like it was, although I had played previously for the Flames as a development player, this felt like my first true season. I felt it in the moment, but I probably felt it more so later on thinking, wow, like that's a massive achievement because some people go through and play 15 years of WNBL and never get a championship. But here I am in my what felt like my first full season winning a championship and something pretty special. It was. I'm going to play you something that Sarah said when we interviewed her in our first series. It was just a special group and everyone knew what role to play and just one of those nice mixes of people and, and coaching staff that only come around every so often. Um, so, yeah, really special memory and something I'm – bloody glad to have been a part of so hearing that from sarah how do you feel about that whole experience and that that input from sarah as well yeah i mean she mentions a couple of times that it's just so special and it was and i think like i only saw sarah about a week ago and it's a memory that just like sticks forever and it's something that you share with those people and those people only and no one can ever take that away from you and yeah, I mean, oh gosh, we're just so lucky. And the people that were in that team were some really special people. And, yeah, it's just so great that we got to all experience that. I remember after the game was over, when everybody hit the floor, the feeling and the emotion from the team was just amazing. And I actually felt that you guys were such a well-connected team. It was just amazing being on the floor and watching you guys, particularly, you know, when you all got together in the huddle after the, the game in the middle of the floor and you're surrounded by cameras and there's there's people around. I don't think you actually realised that you had people around you at that point. No, we definitely wouldn't have. Yeah, I think we all just got along so well and um, it was kind of like everything else was blocked out. Like we just celebrated all together and the back end of that season is kind of how it felt I I never once thought in especially in the second half of the season that we weren't going to win the championship and um, you can definitely feel that in a group like that and yeah it's just yeah it was wow it was incredible after that season you went to Adelaide how different was Adelaide to Sydney yeah really different Um, that was a massive decision for me leaving Sydney because I love Sydney Um, but of course I was always going to make the best basketball decision and that's what I did and then I I was lucky enough down there that I could just focus on basketball and I kind of put all of my time and energy into becoming a better player in terms of places um, you know, Sydney's crazy, Adelaide's a little bit slower, but I kind of like the change in pace. I was probably used to being at college, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but just to slow down a little bit and put all my energy into basketball was really, really nice. We've talked about this before. You were living on the beach as well. Yeah, I was living on Henley Beach um, <laughs> for three years, so I definitely couldn't complain. Um, it was <laughs> during the summertime. So, yeah, I was very lucky and had a great three years there. You know, you went to, to the, the grand final with Adelaide in that game against Canberra. That series 
had, we'll call it some um, interesting comments floating around with it. Yes. Being involved in that in those games, did you try and block all that stuff out or did you let that fire you up or how did you feel about all that noise that was going on at that time? Yeah, it kind of just adds fuel to the fire. All of that... I mean, yeah, game two, maybe a controversial call. To Canberra, definitely controversial, but to Adelaide, no. no. <laughs> a win's a win. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll take it any way we can get it. But, um, you know, everyone always has their own opinion, but um, that's why we play basketball because, you know, things happen and um, whether it's right or wrong, everyone's opinion's different. So, yeah, I mean... I definitely like saw some of the comments and but it doesn't bother me. It's like it's kind of just like, oh well, move on to the next one and it's fine. Going back to this thing about the grand finals, you've got three grand finals in five years. From your first grand final to the last one that you played last year, how do you feel the level of play and the intensity of the play has gone over that period? Oh, I- that's a tough one. I feel like it's always been, there's always been really tough competitors, but I think the game has evolved uh, in the fact that it is faster and it's more of a transition game now. I think players are getting stronger, um, more athletic, more agile. I feel like the toughness and the tough players um, have always been there. Yeah, and I think, you know, little bit different without imports in the league it kind of took um the athleticism and that kind of stuff away a little bit but I still think it was a super fast paced season especially for how many games we played in a short period of time yeah that that would have been pretty brutal I mean you were doing like what a game I think it was averaging a game every two or three days it was brutal at times but you know, after the first week, I actually felt like I was getting used to it and really enjoyed playing games rather than training every day. So, <laughs> I'm guessing that there would have been a lot of focus on recovery after each of those games. Yeah, there was. Uh, I've never had so many ice baths in a short period of my life than that. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of lot of time in the recovery hub, a lot of massages and stuff like that. If Shannon hears me say that I liked playing more games and trainings, he'll probably shoot me. So, <laughs> <laughs> from a viewer's point of view, it looked like it was it was pretty tough going. But I got to ask a question: How did it feel playing in a converted Bunnings? <laughs> you know what? It didn't feel like a Bunnings once we were in there. Uh, it felt like <laughs> a normal basketball court, but. Driving up to it, I was thinking, I I can't believe we're playing in something like this. But once you actually walked in there, you felt like you were in any other basketball stadium. So not too bad once you set foot in the place. <laughs> that place actually had a couple of issues with its air conditioning and I think the scoring system and a few things didn't go quite right. Did that happen in any of your games? I can't remember. No, no, nothing. I'm pretty sure everything was okay in our games. We were one of the lucky teams. <laughs> Maybe they were playing the, the home team advantage. That's it. <laughs> Getting back to the Opals, how did you feel when you first heard you got the call up? Uh, it was oh, it was one of the best moments of my life to date, I reckon. I actually remember it so clearly. I was in Adelaide 
And Chris Lucas had told me that Sandy wanted to chat to me after one of our games. And, you know, I did not even put two and two together. I actually thought, why does Sandy want to have a chat after a game? But um, I sat with her after one of the games and she said, how would I like to be a part of the squad and come over to a camp in Phoenix in a couple months time. And at the time I, you know, it was kind of a little bit, I was a little bit shocked. Um, Yeah, it was a really good feeling, but I also probably hadn't comprehended it. I couldn't really speak back to her um, as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she was great. And then I remember I walked up to the car after the game after I had spoken to her and it probably hit me when I got in the car and I rang the first person I rang was mum and I couldn't even talk to mum on the phone I was so emotional and then I finally told her and she was probably more emotional than I was so yeah it was a really special moment and yeah it's it's a memory that has stuck with me um since then. How have you found the camps and how have you found Sandy as a coach and you know, it's it's good. You got Cheryl as an assistant, which makes it a bit like old home week because you played for Cheryl in your first year. How does the training with players on the squad feel for you? Yeah, I love it. You know, back in my first camp, I was extremely nervous, and it took me a few days to even probably shoot a shot um, because you're around some of the best players ever um, and the best players in the country at the moment, and. They're always really tough mentally and physically, but it's also such a great environment to be in. And I think it's always a privilege to do any type of training for your country and get to play with players that are some of the best in the world. And yeah, it's it's always really special. And I think every camp I've been to, I seem to like them more and more as I go. And it's probably, you know, making new friendships and, you know, it's like anything. Once you've done it a couple of times over, you kind of just find your feet a little bit more. And, yeah, it's it's definitely gotten better and better um, every time I've got to go to one. And, you know, it's not that many months now until the Tokyo Olympics. How are you feeling about everything to do with that? Because it's, it's a big deal, but on top of that, we've got this whole COVID thing that's still hanging over it. Yeah, it's... It's an exciting but stressful time. We're all waiting at the moment. We have one more camp, an Australian-based camp, and then the final team is picked. And, yeah, it's it's definitely stressful, but also, you know, it'll just get to a point where I have, everyone else has put in all the work and there's nothing more you can do. And, yeah, we've spent like four years building up, five years actually, <laughs> building up to, um, this Olympics. So, yeah, it's been an emotional year for everyone and I think that if the games can go ahead and, um, yeah, it'll be really special for those 12 people that get to compete there. How do you rate your chances? <laughs> oh, goodness, I don't know. I can't comment on that. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, keep your fingers crossed for me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We'd love to see you over there. Yeah. We'd love that's... to see you in... And actually, that's a really good question. How do you feel about playing in a bodysuit? <laughs> I'm all for the bodysuits. It's actually funny. So many people say, oh, the bodysuits are back. It's kind of strange. All this like 
there's actually a bit of a negative response about it or I feel as though when I was young watching the Opals, one of their trademarks was the bodysuit and to play for the Opals meant bodysuits and that was always like something as a little kid you just dreamt of doing and I think it's actually really nice that um, they're back and, you know, we can use them as a trademark for the Opals again. I think it will be awesome. I remember when the, all the teams of the WNBL were playing in the body suits as well. It was kind of it was a big thing, and, and I, d- I actually don't understand what the big stink was about bringing it back. I think it's great. Yeah, it's it's part of the history of the Opals. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know, as long as your whole um, team and squad are happy to wear them, and we had multiple discussions um, about it, and everyone was on board with it and wanted to do it. So I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And I think they're going to look really great on everyone. I think this whole squad is basically would have been very young at the time when, as you said, when the Opals were wearing them the first time through. So it's kind of like, as you said, you grew up seeing and you grew up watching. Okay, it's it's back to the future. Yeah, yeah, it is back to the future. It's like pretty much all the girls in the squad at the moment have uh, memories from the, that 2000 Olympics. And I think that yeah. that Olympics in particular was the one where the bodysuits look fantastic. That was, wow, the Australian Opals are in their prime. This is it. And I think that that's what we want to bring back. And then 12 months later, World Cup. Yeah, how exciting. I I mean, does it get any better than getting to play in front of um, your hometown, home crowd? Yeah, how awesome that it's in Sydney and all Australians can really get behind it. Yeah, it's... I think it's going to be great for basketball. The fact that there's, it's basically Olympics, WNBL season, World Cup, WNBL season. It's going to be an amazing, you know, 18 months of basketball. What do you think we, and when I say we, people involved in basketball can do off what's coming to try and help grow interest in, in the sport and more particularly in women's basketball? Oh, I think just the biggest one is you know, getting kids and juniors to want to play the sport, especially female basketball. I think, you know, it kind of dropped off for a little bit there. But if we can grow it now and try and get the grassroots up and coming, knowing that there is some really exciting uh, things coming up in basketball to be watching, to aspire to be like, I think this is the perfect time to try and get out there and um, get as many juniors invested and involved in the game. Looking at that, what do you think WNBL clubs can do? And particularly, like Townsville particularly, because you kind of like, it's heartland stuff up there. The Townsville fans are absolutely rusted on fans. They're not, they're not going anywhere else. What can be done in places like Townsville to really raise the profile of the sport? Because the other thing is, it's also rugby league heartland up there as well. So how do you make that work? Well, I think just getting people involved in whatever way it might be, you know, getting out to schools or running clinics. It's just anything really, you know, like even posting continuously on social media these days helps to grow sports. But, yeah, it is, it's a rugby league town. But I'll tell you what, it's also a basketball town up there. They love it. <laughs> um, but I actually do find that it's a lot of older people that love their basketball up there. So 
um, I think, yeah, it, it's also time to help the juniors get involved and, yeah, really get out there and grow it in the community. Yeah, because you wouldn't have had an opportunity to do anything in the way of school visits or clinics last year at all. No, I think we uh, did a couple in the preseason, um, but, yeah, we had no time, which was a shame. So it'll be nice. It'll be really nice to have five, six months, however long it is, and be able to do those things and um, get a lot more people to the games. Not that we didn't already have a lot, but um, get even more and, yeah, and hopefully just get kids playing. Obviously, as a player, you would have got to see a lot of the people in the hub up close, some of those players that haven't in the past had a lot of minutes. Who did you find out of that breakout crop? And when I say breakout, I mean people like Jade Melbourne or Anley Maley, the ones who who were there in seasons gone by but really grabbed the the import free season and ran with it. Which of those, any of those players, did you find to be the toughest? Oh, goodness. I'm trying to think. Oh, it's, I mean, yeah, Jade Melbourne, she's a good one to mention. I probably think, you know, it opened opened a door for a lot of Australians and maybe it wasn't so much players that had never been in the league before, but maybe, you know, I, I look at Maddie Rochi, her season. Yeah. Um, you know, already a, an established player in the league. But, you know, losing Kia Nurse and a Poopa after the previous season, I think that she's someone that really found her feet and really showed what she could do, a star in her team. So, I, yeah, she was tough all season. Who else? I think uh, in my team, I'm going to talk about my team because... <laughs> go ahead. Go right ahead. Um, I think uh, Meg... McKay, she's probably one that a lot of people didn't know uh, what kind of talent she would bring to the league and she was just an absolute workhorse and I think that if there were imports in the league, I'm not sure if she would have got a starting spot straight away in the WNBL but I think now that she's had that season, she's proved what she can do and, yeah, I think that she will have the potential to start in a WNBL team wherever that may be. Gosh, I could name quite a few players, but they're the two I'll go with. <laughs> okay. So as we're starting to head towards hopefully a full home and away season for the WNBL, and you've obviously been keeping an eye on, on who's going where, who do you see as a dark horse? In just, And I know it's early days and I know we haven't got all the, the full rosters yet. I'll be honest, I've been surprised by the, the picks that Bendigo has been making. It's really surprised me. I mean, they're great picks, but I was just like, wow. Yeah. You know what? I actually think Bendigo will be the dark horse. I say that yeah. purely because I think Leilani is one of the best players in the world. And it's funny, I have this theory, wherever she goes, she wins championships. I've, <laughs> I've played one in Sydney with her and one, and the two others I've been in, I've lost to her. So... Yeah, I don't know. Something about her going to Bendigo strikes me as them being the dark horse. It'd be interesting to see how that all pans out. So far, I think Townsville's managed to keep a fair few of its players, which is great. There's that stability, which is a great thing. How much of an advantage do you think that's going to be for the team in the upcoming season? Yeah, I I do think it's an advantage. If you can keep a core group of players, it automatically makes it easier stepping into next season. And 
it's not only about being on the basketball court together, but knowing all those people away from it. Yeah, it's good to already have that connection. But I think also to win a championship, we would have to add a couple of different pieces. Um, And I think that's exactly what Shannon's doing, hopefully. (laughs) Uh, Look, I have no doubt that that's exactly what he's doing. I'm actually really looking forward to the season. It'll be interesting also to see if any teams decide that they might want to go with maybe one import rather than two because of the talent that's actually came into being from just having the chance to play in the hub. Yeah, I I actually think some teams will only have one. We do have a lot of talented Australian players and a lot that are playing in the WNBA now, which is where all these imports are from. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if some teams had one. There'll definitely definitely be some teams with two, though, as well. Oh, for sure. We can't ignore the fact that Shyla Hill has left Townsville and come to Sydney. What sort of an impact do you think that's going to have across the league in terms of what she can bring to, to a team? You played with her, you practiced with her, you've got to see her skills up front and close up. What do you think? I, uh, I'm i convinced she will be the point guard for Australia one day um, and I think that she will get better every single year and I mean, she's still so young and she's got still a lot to learn but I mean, she's already 19 and had one of the best WNBL seasons last season. So, no, she's a super exciting player and although I was a little mad at her for leaving Townsville. I'm super happy <laughs> for her that she's playing in Sydney. Um, that's her home now and, you know, getting to play with her dad, she'll be super comfortable and I'm sure that she'll thrive and signing a multi-year deal as well will be good for her to have some stability. Have you already been trying to figure out how to stop her? I already know how to stop it. (laughs) Okay, we won't go into that. You can keep that one to yourself for the season. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So, look, I'm going to get right away from basketball for a couple of minutes. What does Lauren Nicholson do when she's away from the basketball court? Oh, good question. Um, You know, in the summertime, I love the beach. I love... Working with kids as well. Uh, I love coaching, doing that kind of style, clinics. I also love just spending time with my family. Um, I'm a massive mummy's girl. I know, I know, I'm 28 years old and I'm still saying that, but as soon as mum has a day off, she's, um, yeah, I just want to hang out with her and I love being at home that I can do that and that's really me in a nutshell. Okay. And you know from days gone by that we tend to ask some fairly interesting questions from time to time. (laughs) Don't look worried. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) I want to ask you, if you could be any movie character, who would you be? Oh, goodness me. A character. Oh, no, you have to come back to that question. I can't think of any off the bat. (laughs) That's a question for someone else to answer about me. That's a question for someone I else to answer. I'm the smartest, hilarious, most hilarious person, but I can't think of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should. You, I mean, by now you should have known that. You know, there's one yeah, of those things is going to show I up. I should have known. I should have been prepared. <laughs> Look, the last thing I want to ask you about, and we touched on it when we spoke earlier in the week, was. What are you doing during the off-season? So I'm at home just playing for the Sutherland Sharks, which 
has been great. I haven't been able to do this for about five years and previous to that for about 10. So yeah, it's nice to be back here. I'm not completely sure how many games I'll get to play. Uh, Might be around six or so and then hopefully finals, but I'm just staying at home, just training a lot. Um, I spend different parts of my time in Melbourne and Canberra training with some of the Opals girls and that's been good as well. So yeah, this is home base and yeah, just training, playing and getting ready for whatever's next. Is this the longest you've spent at home over the last few years? Yeah, yeah, it is. Longest I've spent here and, you know, I I probably see this as my last time at home. Well, you know, hopefully I'll have my own home the next time I want to live in Sydney. (laughs) I have to come (laughs) back to mum's, but yeah, it's. I love being back here and I'm spoiled rotten by mum, so it's not the worst thing in the world. Loz, it's been really great catching up with you. Yeah. Great chat. Yeah, it's been really great. Thank you for having me on here. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.